fake, fake, fakeity fake. Hi, I'm Jody. And I'm Vienna. And welcome to Imperial News, where I spend my whole week listening to the far-right podcast Rebel News and talk about Ukrainian neo-Nazis with my friend Vienna. Of course. I was wondering when we would get to this. You know, I not something we've ever <laughs> discussed before. I'm actually surprised that it hasn't come up yet. You know what I mean? Like, I thought we would have gotten to this way earlier, but... Yeah. I guess, apparently, Ezra has just discovered this and now wants to talk about it. So we are going to talk about it. How are you? Mm, I'm doing all right, you know? It's, it's really snowing out, though. I'm surprised. It's like mid-March, and snow's just falling from the sky. Yep, and it looks like it's going to be, uh, we're going to hit a little bit of a warm patch, but by the end of the month, it's still going to be snowing, so. <laughs> no. Yeah. I refuse. That's not allowed. I don't want to accept it either, because uh, that's nearing my birthday, so I might actually get snow on my birthday, which is kind of rare, but uh, that's the world we live in. Woohoo. How are you? I'm I'm doing fine. We I will say we got this episode uh, a bit earlier. I think we had to like rework our schedule because we kept on saying we were going to record Tuesday, but we have like meetings on Tuesday. So <laughs> it's just easier. I think we're going to try to aim for Sunday records now. Uh, and uh, also that'll help or not help. I think it'll be better for the show since we covered mm -hmm. the previous week. So it'll be a little bit more fresher as as fresh as we can make it. So uh, hopefully that works. The last thing I want to say before we get into the actual show is I had mentioned on last week's episode that Ezra and Gerald Butts went to the same university, and this was based off of something that uh, Joel Harden, NDP MPP, had told me back in 2022. Now, I might have just been misremembering that conversation. All I want to say is that, like, I, I, they, it's clear that they didn't go to the same university, but Ezra was on, like, a traveling debate team, so it's possible that Joel Harden saw a debate between Gerald Butts and Ezra while they were all in university, even though they didn't attend the same school. So I just, unless unless Holden was just making the whole thing up, but I just wanted to correct that one, one little thing. Because I think Ezra went to University of Calgary and... I think Butts went to McGill and York, I think. Something like that. Either way. Thank you for being accountable to our audience, Jody. <laughs> Give yourself a pat on the back. The funny thing is this isn't even an audience correction. It's just like when I was editing, listening back to the podcast, I was like, I should probably check that out if they did go to the same school. And then I was like, oh, they don't. So either I misremembered what uh, Hardin had told me or, uh, you know, who knows? <laughs> On that note, though, it's probably going to be a long-ish episode, so we might as well get right to it? To it. Hello, my rebels. Hello, my rebels. I'm a good boy. I'm a weirdo. So this is the week of March 7th to March 11th, and it begins on the Monday with David Menzies guest hosting because Ezra Levant is in court over a lawsuit. Now we will talk about that lawsuit in a second, but as for David Menzies' uh, segment, it's 
basically him complaining that he can't get into a Trudeau event. I guess Trudeau was speaking at some Ukrainian church in Toronto, and Menzies tries to get in, but he can't. And because of this, he reflects on the last time this happened, which was early December, when he was roughed up by the RCMP in Toronto. Now, I say early December because that's what David says, even though I don't think we were made aware of it until, like, after Christmas, which is when, like, yeah. they started releasing video footage from it. But but in the clip we're about to play, David does says it happened, I think, on December 9th. Now, we had speculated... <laughs> about certain things because after this happened david menzies went away for a month he was just gone it was it felt longer than that was it just a month it was it might have been longer than a month but it was like a month and a bit he was gone for a long time yeah but and also if it was filmed december 9th and he was gone longer than a month like True. that's a significant like that's a couple weeks added and so we we had speculated about a lot of things because we we couldn't quite tell what like why he was gone i know like because david has a show called the uh rebel roundup which he does every friday which is supposed to be like a roundup of all the things that happened to like rebel employees during the week and usually i don't talk about or cover that segment because like who cares it's just like a repeat kind of thing but i i I tuned in just like every once in a while to see because like while David was gone, some of the other figures were like co-hosting. So you would get Sheila Gunn Reed would do the show, right? And mm. during those segments, Sheila would say, uh, David is on a long overdue holiday. He's just on vacation. He'll be back soon. But it was always weird because it was framed with like very open-ended. <laughs> Like, like, usually if you go on vacation, it's a set period of time and everyone knows when you're coming back. But it was like, they seemed like they had no clue when he was coming back. And then when he did come back, like, Vienno, describe what David looked like when he finally came back. He looked like he had died and been, like, brought back a few weeks after. Right. So that is what we had as information. But now, David is finally going to come clean and explain why he was gone for over a month from the rebel. Oh, by the way, that uncalled for assault occurred on December 9th. But check out this National Post story dated December 22nd. Turns out three members of Trudeau's personal staff and three members of his security detail had tested positive for COVID-19 that month. At least I now have a really, really good hunch who infected me thanks to an obvious lack of social distancing. <laughs> David got COVID. David had COVID. <laughs> oh, my God. And I just, I, so for those who don't know, because we barely covered it on the, the show itself, but David Menzies was accosted by the RCMP in Ottawa. Now, I honestly don't, I don't know that that's how he got COVID. Like, given his behaviors, he could have got it from, like, anywhere, you know? He's not wearing masks. He's going around. But, like, even the comment at the end here about, like, oh, it was the lack of social distancing. David doesn't believe in all that shit. Like, his <laughs> his whole shtick is denying all the COVID stuff. Yet he got COVID. And he was out. He was out for more than a month. Like Yeah, it, and he came back looking like he had lost, like, 
15 20 pounds type of thing like significantly yeah. like like his suits were ill-fitting like it, like he's yeah. he's starting to fill them out again but like when he first came back he did not look well uh oh my god so far and like he and he's also i don't think he was vaccinated like that's the other thing like he he fucking took a gamble and it hit him hard Mm-hmm. Like what? A, I I just I'm like almost at a loss for words. I just thought I, I knew you would appreciate this. <laughs> so now, but now he's got natural immunity, and that's why he's back to doing oh, like yeah. absolute bullshit. Natural immune, David. I just I couldn't I couldn't fucking believe that. Hmm. I mean, that was our speculation from the get go. Was like, oh my god, what if David got COVID? I mean, that was our speculation, but it's amazing that it was true. <laughs> yeah. No, it's so we rare that, like, it. we get it. We get it instantly, you know? Yeah. I mean, partly we're like, what else could it be? Because, like, the other the other angle that this was, like, they tried to play up how badly the RCMP hurt him. And so mm-hmm. they made it sound like he had a concussion from when they pushed him against the fence. And granted, like, he had fuck, both. Yeah. <laughs> That's why the COVID hurt him so much, because of the concussion. Like... <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. I mean, but it was just like, uh, yeah, interesting, and it confirmed our suspicions, and we were right. And like, it also, it's like, I, I don't know. It's just the fact that there's such COVID deniers. That's why they wouldn't say anything. But then, why would he say something now? It's like the only reason he's bringing it up now, again, it, because it's like a way he could go. Oh, look, the security cards apparently within like Trudeau were testing positive for covid so therefore me getting covid is actually the fault of trudeau which is like the only reason he's bringing it up can't be at all because of his behavior (laughs) trudeau knew that the security guards had covid and ordered them to attack david (laughs) just like they ordered them to shoot alexa at the (laughs) yeah exactly (laughs) jesus christ so that's that (laughs) mystery solved Menzies also, during this episode, introduces what I call this week's talking point. And it it basically occurs in every single episode, but the talking point is this. How dare Trudeau criticize Putin in terms of civil liberties when Trudeau hurt our precious truckers? <laughs> so you will see, as the week goes... We are going to get this a lot, but that is that seems to be the the message of the week. But now we get to the interview segment, and the interview is with Ezra, you know. Because on the days that he has off, he's still going to appear on his show in the interview segment. He just has nothing to do with his days, huh? Well, <laughs> no, but I mean, like, the thing is, he's coming on to talk about the lawsuit. So the lawsuit is that... Uh, they filed a lawsuit against Stephen Gilbo because Stephen Gilbo, who's the environmental minister, uh, used to be the uh, heritage minister. He apparently blocked Ezra and Rebel News on his government uh, Twitter account. And Ezra's argument, so Ezra is now suing them because he, he thinks it's bad. And the argument is that since it is a government account, being blocked means Ezra can't access a government pu- or can't access government public information, and also that he's being denied a government service because he can't access Gibo's Twitter account. He's also uh, offended that Gibo is using taxpayer money to fight the lawsuit. 
Uh, and so here's what Ezra has to say about all that. I don't know how much this Zoom hearing cost the government today, because because <laughs> you it's if it was his personal lawsuit, why isn't he paying for his lawyers personally? It's obviously not. It's a government account, government lawyers, and that shows how much contempt Gilbo has for taxpayers. Yeah. Instead of just unblocking me or muting me, he's spending hundreds of thousands of dollars saying, no, I have the right to blacklist any citizen I don't like. And I'm not saying that the services he's giving through his Twitter account are akin to like a hospital service or a you know, school, but if he can block me from one government service, why can't he block me from others? Yes, yeah, so if he could block him from Twitter, he could also somehow block Ezra from using the public library? <laughs> from getting healthcare. I don't think that that's how that works, Ezra. I also don't think at all being, because the issue isn't even seeing the tweets. Like, Ezra keeps framing this in terms of like having access to Gibo's Twitter, but guess what, Ezra? You can just like sign in under a different account or watch it not signed in and you can read all of Gilbo's tweets. The only thing the block prevents you from doing is being able to respond to those tweets. But even then, he could he could uh, screen cap the things and respond to them. It's just like he can't make Gibo know that he's responding to them. And that's like... <laughs> that's yeah, what he's doing over I also really like the implication that Gubo could block, could have him blocked from other services because that's how um, members of parliament work. Um, they just sign a list and are like, hey, um, <laughs> this dude can no longer access healthcare. Uh, he can't renew his passport anymore. I, as a federal minister, get to do this. Yeah. I, yeah, I don't know. It's just, it's amazing. Like, yeah, just, it's the single minister gets to personally select the individuals that he doesn't like. Yeah. There's also the, the weird implication of, like, making this about, like, taxpayers' money for, like, fighting this thing when it's like, you're the one who filed the lawsuit, Ezra. <laughs> like, if you didn't want to waste taxpayers' money, don't file the fucking lawsuit. Like, <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so like, that... <laughs> and, and he's suing the government. He's not suing Stephen Gilbo as an individual. No. So, oh, so that he's trying yeah. to make it, like, about, like, oh, he's he's not paying for it himself. It's like, Ezra, you're suing the government. Yeah. <laughs> it's so stupid. I don't think one guy can be like, actually, actually, government, I got this one. Yeah. Why is he defending himself with the government when I'm the one suing the government? It's like, <laughs> Jesus Christ. <sighs> no, it's just layers of uh, stupidity. But that, that was the Monday episode. So we're now on to, to March 8th. And this was about Tamara Litch. So for those who don't know, Tamara Litch was the one of the main organizers of the trucker convoy. She was arrested for conspiracy to commit mischief. Uh... Or, or it was counseling to commit mischief. And she was in initially denied bail, but then it, they, like, uh, you know, brought it back. And they basically said that you can have bail. So now she's out on bail. 
Ezra is mad because he's like, mischief is more like a traffic ticket, so therefore, like, she should have never been denied bail in the first place. And I just want to say, like, up front, like, it's possible that she could get 10 or 2 to 10 years in prison. Now, I'm I'm an abolitionist. I, I don't... I don't honestly think she deserves that much prison time, but it's just weird his framing that it's like a traffic ticket, and yet the penalties for this are way more severe than he's I don't, leading on. I don't think you're right in this, just because the judge's re- reasoning for like allowing her bail was that she had already served the amount of time that she would likely have, like she would likely serve in jail if she were to be charged. So the the operative word there is likely. Like he did say at most she could probably get two years. I've read other legal scholars that say she could get up to 10 years. Now, because here's the thing is he overruled a different judge who ruled differently than he did, right? So this is going to be like operative in the courts. My point is, is it's like, it's not a traffic ticket, you know? (laughs) Like Ezra is trying to minimize it as much as possible, even though Mm -hmm. like... That's like it's worse than what he's framing it to be, even though I kind of agree with you and agree with this lawyer that like I don't think she's as big a threat as they're suggesting, if that makes sense. I mean, I think it's more just like the legal system will not care to deal with her in any sort of appropriate manner. They're just going to like let her off easy no matter what. And in that sense, it'll be, it'll end up being like a traffic violation because the judges won't give a shit. (laughs) Did they let her off easy though? Because like Ezra's freaking out because her bail conditions were that she has to leave Ontario within 24 hours and she can't use social media, which he is like was purposely done by Trudeau so that she can't personally criticize him. I... I don't give a shit about the social media part. I love the ideal idea that you can exile someone from a province, though. Yeah. That's a really fun legal precedent that I'm sure will work out wonderfully. Well, the thing, like, this is what what's, like, silly, too, because Ezra keeps on talking about, like, how she's being, being treated unfairly compared to other people who have had similar charges. But the mm. thing is, is, like, the reason why you might be denied bail, and again, I have criticisms of the bail system, but the reason why you might uh, be denied bail is because of your likelihood to reoffend, and yeah. they were pretty clear that like she seemed like she was going to reoffend, especially when it was like fresh and the trucker convoy had just been dispersed. It may mm-hmm. be less likely now, which could be another reason why the the judge uh, was okay with it. But the reason why they want to stipulate in the bail conditions for her to not be in Ontario is for one, they don't want her to start the truck convoy back up again. Yeah, And the same thing with using social media so that she could use social media to communicate with the truckers. And funnily enough, like Ezra says, like, how dare they take away her social media? That's what she was using to communicate with the truckers. <laughs> and it's like, exactly, Ezra. Oh. That's why the judge took it away. <laughs> God. Uh. So anyways, that's that's pretty much the whole show, and it's just silly. And, uh, yeah, I mean, like, I, I don't like Tamara Lich. She seems like a bad person. Uh, I have issues with the criminal justice system. I just want her to go away and live her life, you know, and stop bothering other people is how, how I feel about it. Uh-huh. So then we get to the interview segment, and Ezra uh, interviews... Oh, actually, I should say... 
she the reason why she he was focused on Tamara so much in this episode is because he wanted to highlight that her and Arthur Pawlowski are in fact political prisoners, and he's mad that no one is highlighting that they're political prisoners. And in doing this, he he neglects to mention Pat King, who is. Ezra doesn't like, so he doesn't mention him as being a political prisoner. <laughs> but, the, but the but the the main reason he wants to highlight them as political prisoners is because again, Ezra wants to make sure the that you know that how dare Trudeau criticize Putin in terms of civil liberties when Trudeau hurt our precious truckers. <laughs> he True. wants you to know this, okay? So now we get to the interview segment, and it's with Mark Morano. And we've covered Mark Morano before. I think most famously, he's the one who made uh, the argument that the environmentalist movement wants people to, to become cannibals. He's uh, very special. He gets tons of funding from oil oligarchs, and uh, he's wacky, I guess would be the, the operative word for this guy. But uh, Ezra loves him and keeps bringing him on. And he introduces Mark Morano by playing the Anders Fogh Rasmussen clip, where uh, Rasmussen claims that Gazprom is funding eco-activists in the West. And we talked about this last week, but uh, mm-hmm. uh, when when the media pushed Rasmussen on this comment, he basically was like, uh, it's, it's what I believe, I think. <laughs> or it's how I interpret it. <laughs> yeah, it's my interpretation. Right, it's my interpretation. Yeah. Uh, but he had absolutely no evidence to back this up. So, But then Ezra gets mad uh, in his conversation with Mark because he doesn't like the fact that Biden seems to be doing everything that his book, Ethical Oil, is against. So Ezra's book, Ethical Oil, which is that Biden is choosing Iran, Saudi Arabia, and Venezuela for their oil rather than reopening the Keystone pipeline construction. And of course, because Venezuela, Iran, Saudi Arabia, they're all bad in in Ezra's mind. I want to offer another correction, though. Last last week, I said that America now recognizes Maduro. (laughs) And I said this because at the time we recorded, America was, in fact, talking to Maduro for the first Mm -hmm. time in forever to work out some sort of like oil agreement. But then... They released a statement through uh, Blinken, who's like the their press person who talks about uh, foreign policy issues. And Blinken said that uh, they still recognize Juan Guaido. <laughs> so even though they're meeting with Maduro, <laughs> they still think Juan Guaido is the leader of uh, Venezuela. I don't, <laughs> I don't know yeah. why this is, but uh, this is the world we live in. Woo-hoo. I was just a little too generous to the United States. So <laughs> I figured if they're meeting with him, that must mean they accept him as the leader now. But apparently I'm wrong. I mean, maybe they accept him as the illegitimate leader. Yeah. <laughs> it's the like, pragmatic I know that... leader. <laughs> yeah. The realist leader. Um, I do know that they like as part of that like negotiations that they did i guess maduro and the opposition are gonna engage in talks in mexico again so maybe that is like a step towards the u.s re-recognizing maduro um 
or just calling for fresh elections, even though there were some like a couple of years ago or whatever. Um, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. Yeah, we'll see is, is kind of where we're at. So they end, they end the episode by uh, Ezra acting surprised that Elon Musk is pro-oil extraction. I guess because of the whole Russia thing, Elon had a series of tweets being like, we need to ramp up oil production or something. And given that, like, he's the Tesla guy, so he should be for green energy. Like, that's kind of how they, they say it. And Mark Moreno was like, yeah, but he's been red-pilled now. So <laughs> Elon Musk is red-pilled, so now he's like pro-oil, you know? And uh, <laughs> and that's it. That's how they end it. Sure. So we're moving along. March 9th is uh, really quick. Uh, Trudeau is in the UK, and Ezra does the entire show just playing clips of UK right-wingers criticizing him, so I don't really care. But the main thing he wants you to know is how dare Trudeau criticize Putin in terms of civil liberties when Trudeau hurt our precious truckers. You need to know this, Vienna. <laughs> Fuck. I <laughs> I was really hoping you were going to say, so Ezra does the whole show with a shitty British accent. <laughs> With Trudeau hurt our precious truckers. Chip, chip, chip. Our precious lorry drivers. <laughs> uh, I told you, like, I wasn't lying. It's this week's talking point. I'm pretty sure he did yeah. it every single fucking day. Every day. So that brings us to the 10th. <laughs> And we're gonna we're gonna hang a little bit on the tenth because uh, uh, this gets rough. Okay, so <laughs> Ezra starts off the episode by talking about Nazi collaborators across Europe during World War II. If you feel hard done by in a certain regime, and then that regime is conquered by an invader, maybe you like it. Maybe this is your big chance. Maybe if you collaborate with the invader, you get to be on top now, not on the bottom. If you enjoy violence, well, it was your moment, wasn't it? If you had a hatred. This is an appealing invitation to many young men. It's how ISIS recruited terrorists to go to Iraq and Syria. Come and do the violence to the infidels. Come and have rape slaves. Come and do everything you've ever wanted to do not just with impunity, but with encouragement and reward. And so it was with the local Nazi sympathizers across Europe. It's just a fact. I mainly wanted to play that just because, like, yes, there was Nazi collaborators across Europe. But of course, what does Ezra have to do? Somehow make it about Islamic extremists when he's talking about uh, Nazis. Also, just, like, totally not how... I, I any of that was framed like i don't even know how the two are analogous like, like they're almost like opposites right like the nazi collaborators were because they were the people present when the other people invaded and their governments started collaborating with the nazis which is a lot different than someone who like leaves america to go join isis to fight maybe like an invader there or something you know, like, yeah, it's just different, uh, different things. Yeah. And like, I don't know, because 
I think that you could draw comparisons if you went a completely different route with it in terms of the, like, yeah, cleansing the, like, impure or unholy or blah, 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 blah from, you know, quote-unquote your lands or whatever. And, like, you know, there is... There are comparisons to between genocidal fascisms to be made. Ezra just is incapable of making them. Like, that's that's it. No, I mean, it's almost like he doesn't add all that stuff when it came to the Nazis he was talking about there, but then had to bring up, like, the rape gangs and stuff when it comes to, like... You know what I mean? It's almost like to hit, yeah. like, notice how the vitriol gets landed on them, but not the Nazis, uh, to a certain yeah, that, very, yeah, Very weird and telling. Uh but there's also like there are other anal- like analogies that could have been made, like not just in terms of what you brought up, but in terms of like people leaving here to go fight for fascists in other countries, like neo-Nazi fascists as opposed to Islamic ones. Uh, mm. That he also didn't make that analogy. Like it's just very weird. Like I don't I don't know exactly what he's uh, trying to say. <laughs> other than to again, it's Muslims like, bad. Yeah, that's, that's it. it. Yeah. yeah. But Ezra's biggest worry today is that apparently no one even knows what a Nazi is anymore. My real worry, to tell you the truth, is that nobody even knows what a Nazi is, what the Holocaust was. Nazi is just some insult that Trudeau uses against truckers, right? Nazi is just what you're called after they call you racist, sexist, anti-gay, transphobic. It's just they throw that in too, don't they? I mean, seriously, if we sent reporters out to the center of the city and ask random people on the street, hey, excuse me, can I stop for a second? Who won, who, let's just ask, who fought the Second World War? Do you think, do you think a random person on the street would know? If you ask them who won, do you think they would know? I'm not saying that you and I are smarter than anyone. I'm saying that things fade over time. People are interested in their own lives, their own times, new immigrants to Canada, from non-traditional sources of immigration like Africa or Asia. They don't know the history of the European Holocaust. I doubt they studied the Holocaust in school. They don't really study anything in school. So it's all sort of fading away. I'm conservative. You might call me right-wing, though. That doesn't really mean a lot these days. And I've traveled widely in Canada, at least until they put unvaccinated people on a no-fly list. It was brought in by Trudeau, who implied unvaccinated people are tantamount to Nazis. Anyway, there there won't be a no-fly list over no-fly uh, zone over Ukraine, but there really is a uh, you know Trudeau bravely imposes a no-fly list over Canada. Uh, I've traveled before the ban on I me mean, flying. I've traveled to nine provinces and to two territories, and I have met a lot of people in my life. And I run in populist conservative circles, and I and I talk to a lot of people online also. And I have to tell you that in my fifty years, I have never met a Nazi in Canada. Just never. Never seen a real Nazi. Not once. Ever. It's not in our national history. It's not part of our culture. It's it's just not real here. Oh, there are a few pretenders, people who play dress up, people who get a tattoo, or people who hide in their basements taking pictures of themselves on a cell phone saying, Heil Hitler. There are LARPers, live action role players, or people playing dress up. They do it for the shock and awe as, as rebellion against society, against their parents, against the world, because they're frustrated by things. That's right. Uh, the only Nazis in Canada are LARPers who are just 
rebelling against society, man. <laughs> Ezra, I've seen fucking Nazis at the grocery store. Like, what world does he live in? I mean, he's, he's lying. We'll, we'll yeah, get, we'll I get, know. <laughs> we'll get to more I know, of that in a bit. but it's just like. To not even be like, oh, you know, like just, I've never seen one. I've never met one. They do not exist. They are not present in Canada, and we do not have that history of the most reliable way of immigrating to Canada post-World War II is to flash your SS tattoos. What are you, nothing, you know, like. But, yeah, and I'll, I'll hit on some of it a bit, but like there's there's Nazis here today, and they're not just LARPing. We've seen them. They, they yeah. do things. Some of them even work for Rebel News, so, like, we're not... <laughs> this isn't a surprising thing, Yeah, you know? fucking Faith Goldie. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, I keep forgetting about her. Yeah. Uh, never met a Nazi in my life. I just had to fire one from my staff. <laughs> I just happened to hire the only Nazi in Canada. What? But I never I never met her. <laughs> never met her. All right. I traveled all over the country. Just just completely missed the one Nazi that I hired. <sighs> oh my god. Oh, uh, I do I do love like the the subtle racism in the middle of this too that somehow like what he said non-traditional immigrants, which is again such a fucking shitty thing to say. But then to mm-hmm. add not only are they non-traditional immigrants being from Africa and Asia, but that they're also just like, I don't know, never studied world history in those fucking countries. <laughs> that somehow they would just never know about any world historical event. Like the Holocaust. Well, like World War Two, which famously didn't happen in Asia. It's not like there's a W word in the <laughs> world. <laughs> yeah. Because it didn't happened happen. in Africa, too. Like it yeah. It's yeah. world, Ezra. Do you... <laughs> it's, it's right in the name. It's right in the name. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh. Yeah, I mean, and then there's also something to be said about, like, considering the Holocaust as a purely European phenomenon. Like... Yeah, but it's. Also- I know somebody whose like grandparents died in the Libyan uh, Holocaust camps. Like, it happened in Africa too to Africa's yeah. Jewish population. It happened in Asia to Asia's Jewish population. Like, granted, there was gonna, not a yeah. There's going to be pockets of people, but like at this that like might not know or just haven't invested any time in thinking about it. But it's also like. American culture has pretty much permeated the world. It's not like people would not be familiar with, like, Schindler's List or, like, you know, big production movies that have, like, talked about this. Like, it just amazes me that he would think that just somehow other people from around the world would just be completely oblivious to world historical events. Other than it's just, it's Ezra being racist again. Yeah, no, that's... That's it. That's always the answer. (laughs) It's also amazing that in a single thought, Ezra says he is most worried about the liberal, like the liberal use of uh, Nazi, meaning that like people just flippantly throw it around. 
because it gets applied to people who aren't Nazis. So he's worried about that because somehow it's going to weaken the strength of Nazi. But then he immediately, like, subtly compares Trudeau to being the real Nazi because he implemented a federal mandate making sure people are vaccinated before boarding planes. Like, Also, don't forget about Canada's fly zone. Or no fly zone. Yeah, <laughs> yeah the no fly zone because yeah. planes can still go into the air, but Ezra couldn't personally go on it because he wasn't vaccinated. Which we, yeah, I don't if, even know that to be the case. But if unvaccinated people go on a plane, they get the plane gets shot down. That's just how it yeah. works. <laughs> but yes, Ezra again says he's never met a Nazi in Canada, but then says there's a few LARPers who do it uh, for play dress up. But even then, he downplays that to say it is uh, for dress up. Notice as well that this is still like an aesthetic claim. Like the only reason they are Nazis to Ezra is because of the way they dress. There is no analysis on what Nazis think, believe, or what they might share in common with other fascist groups. He also ignores the fact that these LARPers are people often associated with movements Ezra also supports. Or people that Ezra ends up defending in his books like Shakedown that we've discussed before. Or even uh, his own employees. (laughs) Or the people committing mass murder across the continent. Like, yep. you know, like, uh, these people are just LARPers sitting in their basements. There could be no real world consequences, except for all of the mass killings. Like, yeah, but th- those aren't real or uh, not Nazis or they're fakes or like whatever he's going to say, but he just doesn't talk yeah. about them. So, yeah. Ezra then goes on like a, a side tangent here. I think later he refers to it in a clip we're going to play as his like him exposing his diary or something. <laughs> but he tells the story of when he was in a public school for the first time or a private school. Like I think he used to be in a Jewish school growing up, growing up, but then they like moved him out into like a school in which it involved uh, more kids of different backgrounds. And he said at this school, a kid was drawing a swastika on a desk. And the kid, according to Ezra, when, because Ezra apparently as a child was shocked and mortified by this, the kid said that he did it to like rebel. So it was like, he didn't even know what the swastika meant. He just knew that it was like naughty. And so he did it. And Mm -hmm. he says that was the most Nazi thing he ever saw in Canada. And so, and that's to highlight the fact that what he's trying to say is there's almost nothing Nazi-like in Canada. That this kid just drawing a Nazi symbol on a desk is the height of Nazism in Canada, rather than the you know well-organized white nationalist movements within the country. So Ezra then argues that Germany is too liberal today because they are trying to distance themselves from the Nazis. Canada is not racist. Ukrainians and Germans are not racist. They're not Nazis. In fact, they're quite liberal and tolerant in many ways. In fact, I think sometimes, and I've been to Germany a few times, I think Germans in particular are still reacting to and apologizing for and trying to counterbalance their past. And in some ways, they're punishing themselves for what their grandparents did. I think they're too liberal now, as if it'll balance things out. Only reason I wanted to highlight that is because, again, this is the same line of the AFD, uh, Alternative for Deutschland. They're a party in Germany. And Ezra 
says he's never seen a Nazi, but he seems to agree with the party that wants to remove Holocaust memorials, ban kosher foods uh, in Germany. And he even invites them on a show because he had them as a guest only a couple weeks ago. Uh, so he's, he's siding with the far-right party in Germany that is most closely associated with Nazism by saying that Germany right now is too liberal, even though their governments are conservative. <laughs> their governments aren't conservative anymore. Oh, well, like, Angela Merkel was, like, center-right for, like, the longest time. But. Yeah, yeah. But new government now. Hell elections happen. yeah. Just a little more centrist. <laughs> I mean, you know, they got the social democrats in there. It's okay, it's fair. like center leaning on left almost. <laughs> That's that um, is the better lead. Out of all the leads, the lead to the left is a little better, yeah. Yeah. Um AFD. Oh, I was going to make a joke about how Ezra's coming out against uh the anti-Deutsch people, uh which are a faction of the German left that are really weird about like the guilt thing over the Holocaust to the point where it's like they're the reason why like at some progressive rallies in Germany you'll just see Israeli Israeli flags everywhere because their m- means of compensating for the Holocaust are just militant support for Israel no matter what Israel does so um critical support to Ezra in his anti anti Deutsch stance um but condemnation for his pro-AFD stance. <laughs> so, speaking of overreactions, Ezra still can't get over MP Yara Sachs oh uh, saying honk honk was code for a Hail Hitler during the trucker protest. Now, we covered this, uh, you know, a couple weeks ago as well. And he thinks that when Yara Sachs does this, or when other liberals refer to the truckers as Nazis, they're dulling the word because they're using it so cavalierly. But I wanted to make it clear to you that I'm sensitive to Nazis and anti-Semitism, and I care about the Holocaust. And I visited the Holocaust Museum in Israel and the one in Washington, D.C. several times. It's on my mind. It's part of who I am, but it's in the background. It's not the center of who I am. And it bothers me deeply when liberals like Justin Trudeau and his deputy Christian Freeland and the rest of the fools in the Liberal Party throw around words like Nazi so cavalierly. Uh, <laughs> you know, it's as if they're, it's because what they're doing is they're, they're taking the chilling, shocking, horrific evil of the Nazis. Here's another picture of the Einsatzgruppen in Russia. And they're using it as a talking point, as a little heckle, just a dart, something to fill the daily chat or something just to zing their opponents with. They're profaning it, really. It's like a, very sharp knife that has to remain sharp, but you're, you're dulling it with overuse. No, the, the truckers are not Nazis. Now, he's he's criticizing them for dulling it for uh, for overuse. Now, I, I always hate this argument. I've hated it for like ever because uh, I don't think I don't think there is a way to overuse it to the point of like dulling it. But it is ironic that he makes this argument when I don't think a week has gone by during this entire pandemic where Ezra has not compared the liberal government to to Nazis, suggesting the COVID mandates are on a path to the death camps. I mean, he Mm -hmm. even did it earlier in this episode. (laughs) Uh, So it's like part of me is just like, who's who's really dulling it, Ezra? Who's really dulling it? 
Ezra and Projection, the the eternal conversation. Yeah. Ezra then also wants to throw shade on our friends over on the uh, at the Canadian Anti Hate Network, who he claims make up hate crimes and call random people Nazis because they get paid to do so. There are no real Nazis in Canada, which is why demand exceeds supply, which is why hustlers and hucksters and race baiters and the Southern Poverty Law Center and the so-called Canadian Anti-Hate Network work so constantly to promote hate hoaxes. There just aren't enough real incidents of hate in Canada. The Canadian Anti-Hate Network, it's, a, it's an Orwellian name, they're actually paid more than a quarter million dollars by Trudeau to dig up hate and then make public complaints about it, to gin it up. They'll call anyone a Nazi. They're getting paid to do so. They're getting paid to do so, Vienna. <laughs> they, just, they just make it up. Yeah. No research, no um, heavily linked sources, no, no nothing, you know? The articles are a paragraph, and it just shows a name and a face, and is like, this person, Nazi, nothing else. I mean, yep. like, if, if they were making this stuff up, why doesn't Ezra ever give examples <laughs> of this stuff that they're making up? People who yeah. listen to his show? Because if they were really making it up, I'm sure Ezra could explain why, but he doesn't. He just tells you that they are, and then uses the fact that they received a government grant as evidence that they're somehow being bought off by Trudeau when it's just grant money. It's not uh, It's not like Trudeau personally signed the check or has any control in how the anti-hate network uses it. Mm -hmm. Is Ezra ever going to address uh, Canadian anti-hate network's work in documenting the Diagalon movement? whose members are currently being defended by Rebel News hired lawyers after they had their gun stash raided while they allegedly were threatening to kill cops at a truck blockade, whose slogan is by gun or by rope, a clear allusion to the Turner Diaries written by a known neo-Nazi, whose book has inspired many white supremacist neo-Nazi terror attacks, including the Oklahoma City bombing, where 168 people were killed, including 20 children, but Ezra has never seen a Nazi. He just crowdfunds their lawyers. He hasn't met a Nazi. He just had to let one of his staff members go for appearing on a neo-Nazi podcast. After that person, his staff member, documented people marching in the streets, chanting blood in soil. But he's never seen a Nazi. And the Canadian Anti-Hate Network is just making it all up, right? Mm -hmm. It's almost like he has a, a vested interest in trying to say that the Canadian Anti-Hate Network is bought off and isn't uh, spotting real Nazis. It's almost like he has an interest there. I really enjoyed your, like, you had a bit of, like, a lilt there when you were, um, <laughs> I don't know. Like, I don't know how to describe it. It felt very poetic, though. It was very good. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> it's just very funny. But, and this is the big but, Ezra does admit. Gerald? Huh? Gerald? No. <laughs> oh, Jared Butts! It just it just yeah. hit me right now. <laughs> no, it's not. It's not that Butts. It's not Comrade Butts. It's a different Butts. Ezra does admit that there is one real Nazi in Canada. I want to tell you about real Nazis in Canada. I I I, I don't think there are any because I haven't met any. 
certainly not amongst the Conservative Party or the People's Party or, or the truckers. But there have been a few. I haven't met every Canadian. There have been a few actual Nazis who sneaked in. One of them was named Michael Chomiak. He was one of those local collaborators with the Nazis I told you about when the Nazis would conquer a country. He was one of the locals. He ran a pro-Nazi newspaper, and he just happens to be Christia Freeland's grandfather. The the one true Nazi. Fuck yeah. (laughs) That's... (laughs) Oh my god. I love as well, like, the implication that, like, uh, like, the only way to be a Nazi to Ezra is if you're, like, literally connected to the Nazi party. There can be no other way that you're a Nazi. So because this person used to be connected to the Nazi party and then somehow snuck into Canada, that's the only way they're, like, actually a Nazi. (laughs) I do really love the, like, because the thing is, like, that, you know, the part about Christy Freeland's grandfather and Michael Chomiak were correct. But then the, like, snuck in yeah. <laughs> to Canada, you know, Not like the government was welcomed yeah. with open arms explicitly because he was a Nazi. <laughs> like, But, like, you could just go to our history books. There were Nazis that just were natural-born citizens in this country who just liked Nazism. Like, the American Bund, even, in, like, the American context. Like, these were real movements of, like, Nazis here. Mm-hmm. But, like... Yeah, oh, no. They were super <laughs> present in Quebec. They were super present in, like, certain European populations in English Canada as well. So they don't have to sneak in, is all I'm saying. They were already yeah. here. But even, like, you are right. They didn't even sneak in. Our government was like, we already got them here, so you might as well come in, too. <laughs> Come join oh, the just others. Like, oh, oh, you're Ukrainian? Oh, um, what kind of Ukrainian are you? And then, you know, you show your little uh, tattoo showing that you participated in the Holocaust. And they're like, oh, okay, cool. You're one of the good ones. We want you. I mean, I might as well say this now because it never comes up. But, like, we, we are going to talk about the neo-Nazis in Ukraine coming up in a second here. But one thing that Ezra never mentions is there's monuments in our country to Ukrainian yeah. Nazis explicitly. Mm-hmm. Like, and, and like, so that is a part of our history here in Canada that Ezra doesn't touch upon, even though he wants to believe that there's no real Nazis, except for this one. This one who just happened to sneak in and just happens to be the grandfather of someone he hates. Which, honestly, I think is the only reason he thinks this person's a real Nazi, because he can use it for political points. Yeah. But, Ezra doesn't think being related to uh, this person makes Freeland a Nazi, okay? He doesn't think that. But... But Christian Freeland actively covered up her grandfather's crimes. She hid them. She covered for him. And she's being, well, if not a Nazi, I, I won't casually call her a Nazi in the same manner that she calls the truckers Nazis. She's been awfully sympathetic, shall we say, to Nazi collaborators past and present, and I'm not even talking about her grandpa anymore. Here's a story from our friends at True North showing Christia Freeland holding up the colors of blood and soil, the colors of the Bandera movement, an actual Nazi movement in Ukraine. 
So, okay. <laughs> I mean, okay. he's not wrong. Yeah. But remember when Faith Goldie was in Charlottesville? What were those people chanting in the streets? Um. <laughs> I think it was... Something about juice? Juice and dirt. <laughs> something, something about, like, how we can't be replaced by juice? I don't know. I thought the juice was referring to the blood, but now I get the uh, no, yeah, <laughs> dog whistle. Yeah, either way, I, I don't know if you, can, if you can call it dog whistle when it's Jews will not replace us. I think that's I think that's a regular whistle. No, I meant your usage of juice was the dog whistle. Oh. Them, they were openly just chanting Jews will not replace us in the streets. Yeah, but, but I love like you notice how like. All of a sudden now, the word blood and soil actually has, like, an evil connotation. But, like, when his own employees went down there, he had no problem with it. Until, of course, she went on a neo-Nazi podcast, and that was the the straw. And it's really interesting, too, because, like, I don't, I don't know if there is the connection with the blood and soil thing as much with the flag that you, that Christy was holding, where it's, like... Yeah, it was red and black to represent like, like the uh, the red is the blood that was spilled for like freedom for Ukraine or whatever and like whatever else. But it's not like, you know, it said Slava Ukraine or Ukraina or whatever, which is glory to Ukraine. But it wasn't like you know the banner was like blood and soil. I mean, up I the Ukrainian think, Nazis. I think the color on the flag does represent blood and soil. Uh, at least from when I've I've looked into it, I, I could be wrong about it. It looks like you're double checking that, so that's cool. But like uh, the other thing that's just weird about the Kara Freeland thing, and this isn't to defend her, I'm pretty sure like it she would have held that flag either way. But it is interesting that the one flag that she held up had the black on top and the red on bottom, which confuses the hell out of me because I can't see. I've even searched online for it. There's no Ukrainian flag that has the black on top and the red on the bottom. But the thing she was holding did, which was just weird. Just uh, worth pointing out. Uh, So I guess it was like soil and blood as opposed to blood and soil. But uh, very weird. I mean, the other thing, too, with the the glory, uh, the glory to Ukraine. I mean, like that, a lot of people also say that that is uh, a Nazi slogan. But like. Uh, I mean, we're going to get into it, but, like, the, the problem here is that, like, a lot of these things get co-opted into uh, general nationalistic movements, which are themselves fascistic, even though they might not carry around some of the, like, anti-Semitic, direct anti-Semitic connotations, in that I don't think everyone who throws around the slogan, glory to Ukraine, is also, like, super anti-Semitic. Although they can be. I don't know if it's Yars Balin from the Ukrainian Canadian Studies Center at the University of Alberta um, claimed that the red is for love and the black is for sorrow and how they are intertwined was the original symbolism going back as far as the 12th century. Interesting. Um, so but then it be, might have had yeah. the blood and soil from World War II. I don't know. Fascists adopt their own meanings to these things yeah meanings change so ezra when talking about nazis only focuses on the aesthetics and it really does serve to obfuscate the ways his own worldview is similar to fascists uh 
including the xenophobia that derives from being a nationalist, which Ezra openly admits that he's a nationalist. So I'm just going to play this clip. Freeland is pretty deep into Ukrainian nationalism. Again, no problem. I believe in nationalism, by the way. So <laughs> I love like he's criticizing Kara Freeland for having these connections to Ukraine and being deeply in favor of Ukrainian nationalism. But he himself is admitting he's a nationalist, which is like the thing is like, like what was what was the N in Nazi? <laughs> what what was that exactly? You know, I think I think it was national. Mm, are you sure of that? <laughs> it might have just been a socialist. No, of course not everyone who's a national, like, they exist on a spectrum, okay? It just so happens that I tend to think that nationalism is pretty cringe and tends to lead to fascism, which is maybe one of the, the bigger problems here, which is why both Ezra and Kara Freeland uh, should be criticized for their... Uh, nationalist ties if you will mm -hmm. also um two quick things i was perhaps incorrect about that ukrainian flag for the ukrainian insurgent army uh, the upa it was um red ukrainian blood spilled on the black ukrainian earth there you go um, <laughs> and but it also i guess red symbolizes it freedom and black signified death so the black and red signified freedom or death so and one might even say that they have freedom intrinsically and that when you die you go into the ukrainian soil so this <laughs> my guess is there's a lot of symbol symbolism here which is mm -hmm. relating back to that nationalism bad true so now we get to the azov battalion and it's like Ezra just discovered that they exist. And he's also learned that the Canadian government has helped to train them. And he links this uh, to Freeland's Ukrainian nationalism and suggests that because she's in the government, that that has influenced the foreign policy towards helping to fund and train the Azov Battalion, which we, in fact, did as a Canadian government. Mm-hmm. And I wouldn't doubt that Kara Freeland possibly had something to do with that. It's just like, I don't, I haven't looked too far into it to know that there's a direct tie between something that she said that links directly to that funding. That might be just a little co too conspiratorial on Ezra's end. Although maybe not. I don't know. But then Ezra talks about Stepan Bandera and says that Russia is right about Ukrainian Nazis even if that doesn't justify the invasion. Stepan Bandera. That's Christia Freeland's hero. That was the, that uh, banner she was holding. She was, she was holding that banner, the Bandera banner. Now, let me be crystal clear. The Azov Battalion does not represent all of Ukraine or all Ukraine uh, military or all Ukrainians. And frankly, even if it did, that doesn't excuse of Putin's war against Ukraine that is brutal and deadly and invasive and imperialistic and illegal, led by Vladimir Putin, a former KGB agent who seeks to rebuild the Russian empire. But when Putin claims, as he does, 
that one of his aims is to denazify Ukraine. He is not talking about it like Yara Sachs, saying honk honk is the sign of a Nazi takeover. He's talking about armed militias, like with tanks and things. Honk honk isn't a real thing, but real Nazis with real military gear and real military battalions, that actually is a real thing. And it looks like the Canadian military was actually training them, possibly supplying them with missiles, I don't know. Now, I'm not saying that's justification for an invasion by Putin, although it is very, very odd, isn't it? I'm just saying it's a real factor. If you, if you try to Google anything about the subject, you'll note that it's pretty hard to find Putin's actual statements about the Azov battalion. I, I checked in Google. I have to go through page after page. They will not let you find it easily. They'll give you a hundred links to fact checks or rebuttals to Putin's case, uh, many of which point out the obvious that Ukraine's president is himself Jewish, Volodymyr Zelensky. So obviously it can't be true that there's Nazis in Ukraine, right? Well, it is true, even if it is weird. So there's a lot to agree with Ezra in that clip. There's a lot else there, like the uh, some sprinkles of things that I'm a bit more critical towards. I, I feel it's weird because last week he was definitely like anti-Putin and made it like very mm. explicit. And here it seems to be that he's he's waffling on that a little bit. Like he still has to stipulate that he's anti-Putin and he does think that the war is unjust and all that. But now he's going, maybe Putin has a point, which is <laughs> a little worrying because it's not like part of this is that is hard to get into because like anything historical, it's very messy, very complicated, very weird. And I think, and and I'll throw this out here, and I'm curious what you think, Fieno, but there is a sort of analogy between Stepan Bandera as a cultural icon within certain parts of Ukraine, and for example, our own state reverence towards colonial figures responsible for mass murder uh, and genocide against indigenous peoples within Canada. So Bandera, although he was a Nazi collaborator, was also put in a concentration camp by the Nazis. The reason is because even though Bandera was a fascist, he was a Ukrainian fascist, whose uh, group saw an opportunity with the Nazi invasion of Ukraine to fight for an independent fascist Ukraine, but the Nazis did not want an independent Ukraine. So even though he did collaborate with the Nazis and had a lot of similar beliefs as the Nazis, including, for example, their uh, anti-Semitism, Bandera is received by some Ukrainians as a figure who fought the Nazis, fought the Soviets, and fought the Poles, who is another historical, quote-unquote, enemy of the Ukrainians. Because uh, they're all groups who had historically invaded and threatened an independent Ukraine at some point or another. So there remains statues of him in various uh, cities. And much like our own history with colonialism, some of these statues have been torn down by protesters and others. Uh, are protected by fascist groups like neo-Nazis in Charlottesville pr protecting Confederate statues or Proud Boys in Canada protecting statues of colonizers. So like previous presidents of Ukraine have posthumously, uh, posthumously awarded him as a state hero and other uh, governments that were elected have revoked this or voted not to uphold it. And in this way, it's like Ukrainians fascism feels very much like our own. Like they have the fascists hold on to these symbols and want to maintain them and hold on to them. And the history is complicated and messed So they can they can pretend like, see, he was in a concentration camp. So he wasn't really a Nazi, even though like he was. 
<laughs> but like it's it's yeah. just like it can be used and manipulated in many ways and so it's just like the way that like our right wing excuses what the colonizers did Ah, oh, they didn't mean to do it it was gentle colonization the 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 residential schools were all nice and pretty you know uh it's the same shit it's just that they're in ukraine and our fascists are here yeah no it is very similar also in the sense of like you know, you have a nation that is founded on ethnic cleansing and genocide, Canada and Ukraine. And, you know, the nationalists minimize that and or celebrate it. Like, because that is, those things were necessary for the founding of the modern states of Canada and Ukraine. And like, yeah, no, it, people don't really like talk about that much. And, you know... It's the same deal with, like, fascists everywhere, too. Like, you know, what would a Ukraine or Poland look like if the Holocaust hadn't happened? If the mass ethnic cleansing of, like, the various minority populations within both of those countries and within, like, just Eastern Europe to, as a to whole. To each other. Poles yeah. were genociding Ukrainians and Ukrainians were genociding the Poles in their various uh, border disputes. Yeah, yeah. No, that's, like, that's what I'm saying. And, uh, you know, like, you can't separate those things from the foundations of those modern states. And so, yeah, you have to be anti-nationalist in order to, like, be meaningfully anti-fascist. Whoa. What a new revelation, you know? I mean, but this is um, why it's, like, frustrating listening to Ezra, because he's, like, he's at, like, a level that's so superficial that it, like you don't get anything out of it. Like, he, he could just sort of like, like, oh, they're wearing a swastika or a sun rune, and therefore uh, they're clearly Nazis, yet the people here waving Canadian flags are not Nazis because they're not wearing, like, runes and symbolisms. But it's like, what you need to do is appreciate where what accounts for fascism and what the, like, psychological or sociological motivations to it really are. You know? Yeah. And, like, at the same time, I don't want to do, like, whataboutism and minimize the impact of Azov because most countries, for all of their fascism, do not have explicit neo-Nazi, like, armed battalions integrated into their military with thousands of members and tanks and a lot of, like, armaments. That isn't super common. Except in Russia with the Wagner Group, but, you know, whatever. Um, but, like, yeah, no, it, it is not unique even if it is exacerbated in the Ukrainian situation. Right, and, like, and I agree with Ezra that this doesn't justify the invasion. But, like, mm -hmm. the, the thing I want to get, like, I, I have a bit more to say about the Azov thing, so I'll just, like, go through here. Like... Ezra wonders why, for example, pe people keep, in the West anyways, in terms of like Western media, keep accidentally tweeting out images of Ukrainian Nazis. Uh, and then he, he goes like, and yet these same people are quick to call truckers Nazis. <laughs> like, somehow, you know, they they're, aren't aware of like the sun rune symbology, but like they're quick to call truckers Nazis. And I think the more important question is why historically... Ukrainian fascists seem more willing to adopt like Nazi icon iconography and stuff like this uh, compared to, say, North American fascists, which, you know, some of them are overt, <laughs> but 
But like most of them are not overt. They're not going to be out there like waving swastika flags, you know. Mm-hmm. And this, of course, has to do with the historical circumstances that we've already discussed. But this is why it also allows Ezra to miss, whether intentional or not, the existence of Canadian fascists, including the trucker variety, who are more likely to fly the Canadian flags than the swastika. So while Ukrainian fascists use Russia as a cultural threat, and, you know, let's be real, Russia isn't helping this by invading... Canadians talk about our freedoms being taken away by Trudeau, who really is an outsider, a secret Muslim uh, extremist secretly working with the Chinese and secretly working with Soros and Schwab, implementing the Great Reset to favor the global ruling elite. Like, of course, not every trucker is going to go full anti-Semite, even though the, uh, you know, some definitely do. But they are willing to work together on a common cause. And that is the main problem. The truckers never confronted the guy with the Nazi flag. The truckers tolerated the presence of Canadian First, or Canada First, who has a history of overt anti-Semitism. The truckers didn't seem to mind the presence of Jeremy McKenzie, who's the uh, unofficial leader of the Diagalon group that is explicitly anti-Semitic, and who, again, had a stash of weapons that were uh, discovered. But since most of them were flying Canadian flags, Ezra can use this as, like, uh, only... <laughs> They're not real Nazis uh, like Freeland's grandfather who directly collaborated with the Nazis, you know. Pat King was one of the leaders of the trucker yeah. <laughs> Like, it's right there. Right, I mean, but here's the thing is not all of them are Pat King, but like the fact is mm. like when you when you looked at the protest, it was all mostly Canadian flags. Yeah. It was a see it because like when fascist comes here, it's going to be the Canadian flag variety, you know. Mm-hmm. Because it's not just the aesthetics of what makes someone a fascist. And I hope this is the one message I can convey here, which is uh, the reliance on these more aesthetic elements allows people like Ezra to obfuscate and confuse people about the actual fascists in their midst. The ones that have a modicum of common sense to not overtly promote their love for Hitler or fly swastikas. You know, if you make it just all about that, you miss... You miss the forest for the trees in that sense, you know? We do have a big problem, but, like, Ezra gets to pretend like it doesn't exist. And that's why, like, it's important to note, like, you're right about the Azov Battalion in that we don't get to just pretend like it isn't an issue. It is a big issue. It's a really big issue that there exists a battalion within Ukraine that has neo-Nazi-like leanings, you know? And we should be concerned about that. The the only issue is that, like, it's not going to be solved by invading them. Like, there was mm-hmm. real Ukrainian leftists in that country who were fighting the Azov Battalion in terms of, like, working within the government to, like, cut these ties and, like, other things, right? And that's the way to do it. And, like, the reason why, you know, and this isn't to excuse it, but the reason why fascism might be a little bit more overt there is because, like, they have a more recent history. I, how long has the war with Russia been going on, technically? Since 2008? Like, and like that also 2014. Goes, you know, you have the, like, and I don't want to get into all the details about uh, the Holodomor, but like, you have that as a part of their historical legacy as well, right? So it's like, these things have built up into their country. And it's like, the one of the ways that you can combat that is stop invading them. <laughs> you know? It's like... Uh, or at least stop uh, bombing them or, or you know, stop giving the nationalists a reason for wanting to, to fight for their independent state, you know? Yeah. So Ezra does say that uh, <laughs> we should stop arming them. And I think that's good. 
and I agree with him. But I can't help but think that the only reason he's doing this is to point, uh, so like the point scoring exercise against Trudeau and Freeland, considering that the entire story was framed around the idea of how hypocritical the liberals are for calling the truckers Nazis, and yet they're supporting the Nazis in Ukraine, which is his whole line here, right? The funny thing is, in terms of like explicit arming and training, I think that the Canadian mission to, like, for Azov Battalion was withdrawn pretty quickly like 2015 or 16 but it had been implemented under harper (laughs) (laughs) so and the liberals were the ones who took it away in terms of like again explicit like and similarly like with the u.s where like they withdrew it in i think 2018 in terms of training and arming azov specifically in general because they're still arming and training the Ukrainian military, it is still meant that we are arming and training Azov. But it hasn't been like us going out of our way in a couple of years. Yes. Yeah. But he can't he can't do that because Harper's his boy. <laughs> Ezra loves True. Harper. Can't can't bring it back to him. Harper would do no wrong. We will be haunted by the ghost of Harper for <laughs> centuries i do there's one one last thing that I, I forgot to mention which is like ezra making like talking about Zelensky being jewish and how uh that is used by liberals to say that therefore there can't be a nazi problem they have a jewish prime minister or, or president sorry and like that's that is true like uh, i don't like when liberals make that argument and i think ezra is quasi correct for pointing that out but it is, like, weird hearing it from Ezra, who constantly, like, uh, you know, deflects his, like, accusations towards him for, like, working with or, you know, being near Nazis is always, I'm Jewish. I, that would clearly never happen. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, so very weird that he, he acknowledges that it's a bad argument when it comes to Zelensky, but for himself, it's, uh, he can deploy that argument whenever he wants. I also think it's worth just pointing out that being Jewish does not exclude you from being a fascist. You, you like fascism knows no ethnic or religious boundaries. It is a universal phenomenon that pops up in various populations. And so just you know, it doesn't mean that you'll necessarily take on the anti-Semitism of of say the Nazi fascists. But, like, xenophobia will likely crop up somewhere in there. And you can have definite Jewish people who are xenophobic. That is still a possibility and something we should still be wary of. So I just uh, feel like that's worth uh, highlighting. Yeah. I mean, and the identity of the head of state says nothing about the state of politics in that country. You know, it is very much a, like, oh the u.s had a black president there's no racism anymore like it also gets complicated with the groups themselves like there's jews right now who are members of the azov battalion yeah (laughs) like you might sit there and think that seems weird and then i just have to tell you the world's messy like a lot of this is Mm -hmm. opportunism like i think even like one of the things even with bandera was like the oun at some points were working with the Nazis to eliminate genocide Jews within their country, and yet at other moments were helping Jews escape from Ukraine. 
And then you might go, well, why is that happening? And I think, like, I was trying to do research. I couldn't find, like, the actual document. But I found one, like, uh, paper, like, referring to it, which is that the Nazis even mentioned themselves that it seemed like the Ukrainian nationalists were opportunistic about whether they were going to work with the Nazis to murder the Jews or not. That, like, really, their top priority was Ukraine independence rather than doing everything the Nazis wanted them to do. Which is why, in some parts, they jailed Bandera. I still think Bandera is a shitty person, but that like that history is messy. It's you're not gonna find some just like he was per like <laughs> he behaved this way, and that's like his essential character. Like they were opportunistic, you know. Yeah, and you know, leadership is not everything. Like, is not the entire organization, whatever that organization might be. Like, whether that is the state in the case of Ukraine or the OUN in the case of Bandera, like, you know, they're all messy and factional. Like, And I think it is worth, like, stipulating here, too. Like, none of what I'm saying is, like, justifying or excusing either. I I still think these people are terrible fucking shitty people. And I do agree. We shouldn't be arming them. We should be calling it out. And I don't agree with the liberals who are running around being like, we should just not talk about this. As if the Azov Battalion isn't a real thing or doesn't exist or whatever. Like, it does need to be talked about. I just think that, like, we need to be real about the actual historical movements and how they operated and how opportunistic they were because then we can better understand our own fascistic movements in which you can Mm. have a wide variety of people within the movement that then they get to then use as like see we're diverse so therefore we can't be fascist and it's like no like (laughs) fascist movements have historically oddly enough been diverse and have always used that as a reason for why they're not as bad as they really are and we need to be aware of that Anyways, this ends our Nazi education segment, <laughs> which I, I keep on bringing this up. I am so surprised how often we have to talk about Nazis on this goddamn podcast. <laughs> when I signed up for this, I was not expecting this. But here we are. Welcome to 2022. The interview segment is with Leslin Lewis, who is a candidate for the Conservative Party of Canada, their leadership. And honestly, nothing happens in the interview, so it's not worth, like, discussing any of the particulars. It's just like, do you believe this? And she's like, oh, yeah, I believe this. So, and it's, like, standard conservative talking points. So nothing nothing surprising, nothing shocking. I think the only thing that's surprising and shocking, or at least should be surprising and shocking, is the fact that she went on Rebel News and was the first one to appear on Rebel News who's running as a candidate for the leadership of the Conservative Party. So, Noted. Now, we get to the mailbag segment, and we have one last Nazi thing to talk about, okay? He receives a letter, he's going through the letters, but then he sort of, like, moves off from the letters. uh, Because he wants to talk about, again, how dare Trudeau criticize Putin in terms of our civil liberties when Trudeau hurt our precious truckers? Okay? (laughs) He needs you to know this. And he also claims that the Azov Battalion are the last remaining Nazis in the world. (laughs) 
Yeah, I mean, a lot of chutzpah there when Trudeau was over in Europe criticizing uh, Putin for being an authoritarian and cracking down on the media. Did he forget what he just did um, in Canada, including seizing private bank accounts and declaring a national emergency because there was some peaceful trucker protests? Unbelievable. Well, that's our show for today. I wonder what you think about my Dear Diary entry. That, that was uh, personal reflections as much as anything. But um, I just find it odd that someone, Christopher Freeland, Justin Trudeau, who calls everyone they don't like a Nazi, are actually supporting the last Nazis in the world. And I want to make it clear, I'm not saying that Ukrainians are Nazis or that Germans are Nazis. They're not. But there are these paramilitaries. They're the last real Nazis in the world. And Freeland is supporting them and arming them and training them. What's with that? What's with that? What's with that, Vienna? <laughs> the last What is up with that? The last Nazis in the world. No more. <laughs> Once these ones are gone, it's over. I like that he didn't even know they existed until like a week ago. <laughs> yeah. And now he's like, what's with that? The last, the last, these are for sure the last. You can trust me. I didn't even know about the last Nazi group until a week ago, so you can trust me now. Don't worry. So now we're on the Friday. And Ezra is talking about how Meta, which is, of course, Facebook, is allowing people to say death to Russian invaders, overriding their hate speech rules on the platform. Have you heard about this? Mm -hmm. I have. I don't like this. <laughs> no. It seems up. extremely fucked. Like, giving, given Facebook's long history of not dealing well with hate speech, especially, like, this is not a, this is not a good step. No. And I, I have, I have a long clip of Ezra here, where Ezra is, he's quoting the, the Root Routers article on this uh, thing, and he addresses, I guess, like, the Russian government responded by banning Instagram and saying that, like, you know, inst like, Meta is basically targeting Russians and stuff like this, so they, they banned their products in their country. And so Ezra is re reading this and then responds. So, like, when we first play it, he's done reading the Routers article, and then he's he gives his initial take on Russia banning Instagram. Mm -hmm. But I want to play this clip because it goes on a wild ride for things that you wouldn't expect to come from Ezra. So I actually, like, there's parts of this in which I agree with Ezra. I do agree that what uh, Meta is doing here is kind of fucked up. But just uh, listen to where Ezra takes this. So again, this clip starts right after he's done reading the article, and they mentioned that they're banning Instagram in Russia. I think that might be fair. I mean, I don't like censorship. Putin's restrictions on Facebook remind me of Trudeau's restrictions on Russia today and his attempts to squash us here at Rebel News. Putin and Trudeau are similar that way, aren't they? But there is something to it. If one of the largest companies in the world with 2 billion users now okays calls for violence... I mean, if you have two billion users and, and only one in a million people takes your call to violence seriously, well, and, and, and if only 100, one in a hundred of those 
So one in a million and then one of a hundred of those are in a position to actually act on it, but still 20 murders. And who could deny that Facebook specifically, thoughtfully, carefully decided, yeah, that's fine by them. I mean, if you allow calls for violence, you are accepting that it could happen. You're permitting it to happen. Multiply the small odds of it happening by $2 billion, and you're pretty much guaranteed it will happen. And of course, if you whip up anti-Russian sentiment, that doesn't have to be acted on in Russia alone or Ukraine alone, against soldiers alone. You don't think that could spread? It's not foreseeable to you that that might spread? There's 600,000 Russians in Canada. There are people with Russian-sounding names, even Ukrainians with Russian-sounding names, by the way. There are Russian restaurants and Russian stores with signs in Cyrillic. It's just not every day that you see this normalization of something as abnormal as wishing violence on not just someone but a group of people for their ethnicity or their nationality. The left used to call that hate speech, you know, but now it's just what we do. Ezra, pro-hate speech regulations. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I don't even Like, literally all of that was just like, damn, this could all apply to shit that Ezra has said about Muslims. <laughs> like. Yeah, I mean, it, it even applies, oddly enough, to their stuff on, like, COVID denial. Like, their rhetoric online got them censored because they could harm other people. Which is the whole fucking point of hate speech legislation. And content well, moderation. And, uh, you know, the like, oh, if a certain, if only a certain number of people react to it and only a certain other number of people actually go and commit violence, you know, that's still a lot of death. And it's like, yeah, Ezra. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Tell that to the Quebec mosque shooter. Tell that to the Christchurch mosque shooter. Tell that to the truck driver in London. Like, Stochastic terrorism is bad, actually. Like, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> it's been a while, Ezra. Like, <laughs> like, and, you know, at the very least, I think Bisonette and the Christchurch guy had consumed Rebel News content, right? Like, you know? Yep. You did this, Ezra. <laughs> You've already done it. <laughs> I, I. Oh, my God. And it's amazing because he used, like he was so specific in using the argument, and mm -hmm. and like and he started this off by saying it's fair, like ironically, like it's weird how much he lost his shit last week about the banning of Russia today, and yet he's like, oh, this is fair. It's fair what Russia's doing because like Meta's doing this evil thing, uh, in 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 allowing people to talk about like you know killing Russian invaders. So it's like. It's just amazing that, like, like I don't know why he's, he's weirdly enough again protecting Putin here or like defending him, which like in this case I think he's right. It's just weird compared to last week. Is all, all yeah, I want to say yeah. there. Very weird, but uh, and very weird that he he can't. I mean, there's even a sense in which he 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 is sort of self aware about this. Which is why he mentioned like the left wing stuff at the end about like they used to be against hate speech, but like. Aren't you aware then that you're making the argument for hate speech? Like, <laughs> or like laws protecting? Yeah. Like, oh my God. 
it's it's incredible. I don't know. I think it's just he's having difficulty balancing between the pro-Putin and pro-Ukraine factions of the right. Like, he just doesn't know, you know, he he has to play to both audiences. The rest of this episode does get really kind of, like, interesting. So Ezra then complains about the seizing of assets of Russian oligarchs, and he 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 doesn't like that, and he says the sanctions are going to help China. He doesn't like that. And then Ezra talks about how Russia might abandon a U.S. astronaut on the International Space Station and says it's bad. But, hey, if Matt is going to allow for death threats against Russian soldiers, why not kill the American astronaut? Russia threatens to abandon American astronaut in space as sanctions threaten peace aboard International Space Station. The plan is for astronaut Mark Vanda Hay to land in Kazakhstan with two Russian cosmonauts on a Russian spacecraft. Now, that's just not nice to ban him. I mean, America doesn't have the ability to get up to the International Space Station. I don't know if you know that, but we used to, we, America used to when it had a space shuttle. A decision was made to rely only on the Russians to get up and back. All right. So, so how does that work now? Are the Russians really going to leave an American up there to die and only take the Russians back down to Earth? I don't think so. I hope not. I mean, that's really murder. But um, didn't Facebook and Instagram just normalize murder? <laughs> what? <laughs> space war, space war, space war, space war. <laughs> It was like, it's one of those like moments where it's like that, but like, you know, those tweets you see where it's like, you know, this is bad. And then like the dramatic music plays and then like, then the butt shows up. You know? mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, are they really going to murder uh, an astronaut? That would be bad. But. <laughs> For <Meta> space murder. <laughs> Meta did call for killing Russian invaders. So that. <laughs> Yeah, and you know what? I bet that I bet that American astronaut uses Facebook and Instagram. Oh my god. That's justification right there. Ezra <laughs> True. Ezra then says the most base thing ever, which uh he says, "Why don't we call uh, Mark Zuckerberg an oligarch and take all of his stuff?" And I say, "Let's go! <laughs> Let's fucking Hell yeah. do this." Come on, Ezra. Comrade Ezra. <laughs> I do, I do kind of see, like, the language of oligarchy starting to make its way into, like, our own references to people. Like, since all of this has started. Like, it is, it is happening. Good. Yeah. No, it's pretty nice. Ezra ends by clarifying he doesn't support Putin, although most of the coverage this week seems uh, at least way more supportive of Putin than it did last week. It's like, it, but it's like weird support of Putin. Like, he keeps on saying he doesn't support Putin, but he's like... But there are really are Ukrainian Nazis, or, or it'll be like, or uh, you know, Meta, excuse me, Meta really did uh, <laughs> advocate for killing a Russian. Like it's these weird, like backhanded, like you know, I want to be really mad at Putin, but uh, have you seen this thing over here? So then we get to the interview section, and uh, it's with Gordon Chang, who has been predicting China's demise for decades. But it is really happening this time, guys. Seriously, you just have to trust him, okay? China will eventually collapse. And when it does, and Gordon Chang is dead, 
he will burst out of his grave and be like, I was right! <laughs> Even if it's 300 years from now, we'll get zombie Gordon Chang. So Ezra... <laughs> Ezra describes Russia as a fire sale for China because everyone else is pulling out of China. Or not China, pulling oh, yeah. out of Russia. Thus leaving the market like open to China to go in there to make some money. That's like the premise of the interview. And... This leads to a comment by Gordon Chang that is amazing, and I think you will appreciate it. Yes, and, and to uh, put forward another quote, you know, Karl Marx said, history repeats, and uh, China does take advantage of countries that are under sanctions that do sell commodities. So we're going to see this big time with Russia. Marx once said... History repeats. <laughs> True. Marx, in fact, that actually is not in the quote. Marx never actually said history repeats. He said this. Is, I can't remember the exact quote, but it was it was in the 18th Brumaire. Mm -hmm. And he says that like things often happen twice. First as tragedy, then as farce. And he was making a joke about Napoleon the first and Napoleon the third. First yeah. it was tragedy, then it was farce. That was that was the quote. And here he's just like, Marx once said, history repeats. <laughs> True. <laughs> True. That's good Marxism right there, Gordon Chang. <laughs> You're a proper Marxist. I don't even know how it applies in this situation. Like, China's taking advantage of the commodity market. In Russia, history repeats. Yeah. <laughs> well, like, he didn't name a di another country that China had, like, no. traded with <laughs> that was under sanctions or whatever. Like, it was just purely... That's it. History repeats. Yeah. And it, it's Karl Marx. Karl Marx once said the thing that he never said. <laughs> True. Oh my god. And people trust this guy when he says that China's gonna collapse, I swear to god. <laughs> so they both then speculate on what lessons China will learn from Russia invading Ukraine in terms of China invading Taiwan, and they argue that somehow China is unsanctionable, so they have learned that they will not be stopped by anyone from invading Taiwan. However, Gordon Chang has one sort of like reason why they might not, which is that they have learned from what's happening in Ukraine that the brave Ukrainians are fighting back, so the same thing might happen in Taiwan. So they might not invade Taiwan. But it's not because they fear sanctions, the sanctions will never happen. That's sort of like... I, I, don't, I don't know what they're talking about. Anyways, that's... I, I think for sure that Taiwan... Or not Taiwan. China would be sanctioned if they invade Taiwan. 100%. I don't know. China would be dust. Yeah. Like, the world would be dust. <laughs> But, like, you know, China is part of the world type of thing. The West cares way more about Taiwan than they do about Ukraine. Like, Yeah, maybe. I don't know. We'll, we'll, hopefully we never have to test this theory. <laughs> we're, already that seeing, would be nice. we're already seeing how it's playing out in Ukraine. Let's not do uh, two, okay? I like having my molecules all together. Yeah. <laughs> uh. The final clip I'm going to play, though, 
is Ezra reflects on how uh, everything has become Russia-phobic. And he thinks those attitudes are growing. And he relates this back to China in the fucking weirdest way possible. So here we go. Um, I want to ask you about how boycotting, like, I, I would almost say it's it's verging on Russophobia. I mean, you see people completely unrelated to, to Putin or the government, you, you know, artists like... Uh, you know, opera singers or musicians in the West, if they're Russian, they're being canceled. Even in Vancouver, there was a, a musician who was canceled just because he, he was Russian. He, he, it's got nothing to do with politics. So you see massive boycotts. Um, some of them are comedic, you know, people uh, changing the name of a white Russian drink, or, uh, like changing the name of a drink on a menu to get the word of the word Russian. I, I look at that and I contrast that with the absolute lack of any form of boycott or sanction on Chinese products, Chinese, and Chinese events. <laughs> Actually, Ezra, I'm in an active boycott of Shen Yun, so. I, it's true. <laughs> <laughs> the, the fascist dance troupe, yeah. Let's, uh, let's boycott that, but I, it is amazing how in one breath he could be like, isn't it so bad what we're doing to the poor Russians with all these sanctions and the Russophobia that comes from it? Why aren't we doing that to China? <laughs> <It's>... <laughs> I fucking god damn it. What a, what a clown. What an absurdist, yeah. dangerous, pathetic clown. But uh, <laughs> so what what have what have we learned this week? We learned that Ezra seems more upset that we aren't at war with his preferred enemy, China, than he is at the loss of life that is currently occurring in Ukraine. But also, we have learned <laughs> dare Trudeau criticize Putin in terms of civil liberties when Trudeau has hurt our precious truckers. Truck yeah, you know. <laughs> Truck yeah forever. Since we talked about them today, I did just figure, like, we should give a shout-out to the Canadian Anti-Hate Network. Um, they do really wonderful work. Um, I won't say that I read every one of their articles because they put out a surprising amount. But I read a fair amount of them, and, like, I, all of them have been really well-researched and well-sourced and everything like that. Um... We've used them really as a cool. source uh, several times on this show before, so... Yeah, no, and we like the people behind it a lot, too, so... Check them out. If you got some spare money, send it their way. Um, and then I also had an article to read that was just kind of a, like, huh, that's neat. Um, it's from Low Tech Magazine, which is a really cool magazine. It's powered by a set of solar panels in Barcelona, and so when you open the website, there'll be a little battery reading in the corner that'll show, like, how much battery is left in the, like, solar-powered battery that runs the website server. And if it <laughs> runs out of battery, the website just gets shut down until they have more sunlight. <laughs> um, 
but it's uh, an article called Fruit Walls, Urban Farming in the 1600s, and it's about how um, from the 16th to the 20th century, urban farmers grew Mediterranean fruits and vegetables as far north as England and the Netherlands using only renewable energy, and how that eventually led to the modern like technology of greenhouses, um, despite modern greenhouse stuff being incredibly like energy intensive and incredibly like wasteful in terms of like heat production and insulation and everything like that whereas these older techniques were very dense and also like basically entirely like self-sustaining and could supply the necessary fruits and veggies to feed entire cities at the time um it's just like a really interesting piece of history and if you are interested in like kind of urban farming and like sustainable architecture and agriculture it's a really interesting read um yeah that's what i got this week so what you're saying is instead of ethical oil we need ethical fruit walls yes (laughs) (laughs) just just making note there was an area in paris that was so densely planted with fruit walls that it was basically a maze and then and when um Napoleon III, I think, was coming to put down the Paris Commune. They showed up, didn't even go into that district of the city because they knew they would get lost. Like when the Prussians were retaking Paris with the help of Napoleon III. Um, Because it was just so densely planted with like... (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Like it's just like, there's that much fruit and that many walls that it's just not even worth it to go there. (laughs) Even if there are, like, rebel troops or anything in it. And that's in the middle of, like, one of the largest cities in Europe at the time. It's amazing. Yeah. So check it out. And if you support and enjoy what you've heard so far, please give us a few bucks over on patreon.com slash imperialnews. If you want to stay informed about what we're doing, you can also find us on Twitter at Imperial News with a Z. We have a Discord set up. We do Twitch streams every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. You can find videos on our YouTube channel, and you can find all the links in the show notes of this episode. Lastly, you can email us any questions at imperial.fake.news at gmail.com. Special thanks to my friend Mason Tickle for the transition beats. You can find his work at masontickle.com. That's Tickle, T-I-K-L. And thank you for listening... And oligarchs of the world, you canceled. Albumbia, Albumbia, how lovely are your wheat fields? More like oligarchs. <laughs>